Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Graham Bailey, 90 Min's transfer correspondent after, well, in the middle of a Champions League fixture round, which has been, well, sprung a few surprises so far, but... Graham, there is a as we speak, there is a Newcastle versus PSG fixture. You may be listening to this after that game has been take has taken place, but you will be there. A massive game for Newcastle, isn't it? It is. It's um, a big game for the city for St James's first European game at St James's for a decade um, since they lost in the Europa League quarterfinals to Benfica. With Alan Pardew's manager, I must admit, I don't remember that them getting that far under Alan Pardew. <laughs> I must admit. Um, first Champions League um, appearance in much longer than that. So, yeah, it's a huge It feels like a huge night for Newcastle. And, and just, I think, a welcome back to the top table, really. But I think for them, there's that danger, Scott. But I think they need to um, remember they're in here to compete as well. I think everyone thinks they're in this really hard group. But at the same time, when, when you're a Premier League club, you need to come out of the group stages. Um, so I think there is, I don't think, I don't believe these people who think that Eddie Howe's got a free pass here. I think, you know, I think Piff will be wanting them to get out of this group. Slight hat tip there to Man United, who at bottom of their group with no points after two matches, after the most incredible uh, performance against Galatasaray at Old Trafford on Tuesday night. Uh, we'll be talking a bit about United on today's show. Plenty to unpack from there. There's a, there's never a story not to be told. Uh, from Man United, and I believe we have four, <laughs> four different strands to talk about on United today. We'll talk Alfonso Davis as well, Pedro Neto, uh, a Brazilian Liverpool are scouting and potentially signing. Emil Smith Rowe. We'll talk about Brighton, Deserby, Julian Timber's brother is actually earning some interest from uh, a few places. So we'll get into that, and we'll talk Victor Osman as well. It's been a a crazy week at Napoli, and Victor Osman. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard about it already. We'll give you the latest on what his future could be. But subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us as well on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders and at Graham Bailey. Nightman.com for all the latest from us. Nightman.com for all nightman.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news and at Nightman underscore football on socials for the brand as well. But we'll jump into, we'll get to United in a second. Let's jump into Alfonso Davis first, who is at Bayern Munich was obviously emerged and become one of the best left, well, best fullbacks in world football, really. Bayern are trying for a new deal, Graham, but is that is that a foregone conclusion or could there be a, someone in there to ruffle the feathers a little bit and change the course of his career? 
Yeah, it's 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 a big decision coming up for him. He he's out of contract in twenty twenty five. He's twenty two now. Um, turns twenty three later this year. It's it's huge for him. Um, primarily because he knows that Real Madrid are in for him. Real Madrid are very keen on Alfonso Davis. We also understand that Man City and Chelsea are both keeping tabs. Um, I've asked to be kept in touch at the, at the club's behest. And, and you know, when it comes to Alfonso Davis, you know, he's he's playing there for Bayern Munich. He's at the top of his game. As you said, I don't think there's a better left back in world football, Scott, than him. Is there? You know, he's, he's, he's a wonderful talent. And, and there's only so many places he can go. Um, we know that it's even going to be one of the big English clubs or Real Madrid or Barcelona, really. When you leave Bayern Munich, maybe PSG. You know, there's only so many clubs you can join. Well, okay, I just, and I think he's got a big decision to make. I think if he gets through this season and there's no contract, he's gone, Scott. I think he'll go. And and it'll be a matter of where. And it's going to be that old battle. that We're getting used to this, aren't we? Real Madrid versus the Premier League. We get used to it now every summer. There's a few players who come into this category. And I think Alfonso Davis is going to be one of those players as well. Can Real Madrid beat the Premier League to Alfonso Davis? We don't know yet. We don't know how far it's gone. Obviously, Bayern think he might sign a new deal. I think he might decide to move on. And uh, be fascinated to see if he t- if he if he wants to come to England or wants to go to the Spanish capital. Well, Real Madrid did, did beat Premier League teams to Jude Bellingham mm. in the summer, and he is uh, he made the right choice by the looks of it. Another goal <coughs> at Napoli, marauding through the entire mm. Napoli half, dribbling past players and putting the ball into the net in a three-two win. At twenty years old. Uh, just incredible stuff. And I think Real Madrid are really building that team for the future, aren't they? You talk about Davis's age, 22, turning 23 soon. And they, they fall back positions. Some of the signings have got, you know, from, from yeah. that, that whole squad though, Scott, isn't it? Chumani, Valverde, um, Vinny Jr., um, Hendricks coming in in 2020, 2025. Hendrick is coming in, is that 2024? I thought it was next year. I thought, no, I think it might be the year after, but anyway, Hendricks coming in, he's playing really well for Palmeiras. Um, it's it's fascinating to see what they're building there, Scott. It really is. Rudiger's there, he'll be there for quite a while yet. Um, it's not they're doing it, they really are doing it the right way, real, aren't they? And uh, if they can't get Alfonso Davis, which is a position of need, I think Scott, the, the fullback area. The fullback positions is, are the ones yeah, that stick out to yeah. you, really, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And and if you build if you build a squad and team properly, this is where you do it, isn't it? You don't need to do three or four positions every year. It's a cycle, isn't it? And you know, they are now in need this left back. And um it's no surprise to see them in, in for Davis and yeah. Um he'd be he'd be some pickup for them, wouldn't he, Scott? And I I think he'd be a cracking fit, but I'm sure Man City would argue he'd be a cracking fit there as well. I'm talking about Kylian Mbappe, yeah, either with Real Madrid. I'm sure we will be in future editions of this podcast. But yeah, uh, Alfonso Davis has a decision to make, as uh, as Graham puts it. I'll ask him tonight, Scott, when I see him at St. James's, if he's made his mind up yet. Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> Kylian Mbappe, I thought you were talking about Davis for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, ask, um, I'll ask Kylian when I see him. If, I, if, I, if he's, if I get that exclusive, Scott, if he can confirm to me later, he's definitely going to Real Madrid. If Mbappe but, isn't too cold... Uh, in in Newcastle uh, to answer you. Maybe you'll get an answer out of him. But yeah, we'll see Mbappe due to step on the turf at St. James's Park. But one player who may have a decision to make as well going to the Premier League is <clears throat> the re-emergence of Pedro Neto has happened since the start of the season. He's been, he played a key role, obviously, in the Wolves' win over Man City at the weekend. 
he scored a goal and then did about 22 celebrations after after scoring it. I think the week before, he is uh, he got debilitated by an injury, didn't he? A, a serious injury, and we we saw him struggle to recover throughout the entirety of last season. But before that, he was looking very exciting. It seems like he's found his found his groove again, and obviously playing for Wolves, who are expected to be mid uh, mid table to lower mid table, or even go down in some some uh, people's estimation this season. I don't think they will, but Pedro Neto could be looking at some point to join a bigger club. Who's interested? Yeah, you know, Wolves are they're not a selling club, but every player at Wolves has their price. We know that. Arsenal have a long-standing interest in Neto. They were, they were looking before he got his last ankle injury. Um, they've been virtually looking at him ever since he arrived at Molyneux, Scotland. He's a fabulous player. He's really showing that this term, isn't he? He's, he's got an opportunity to really impress under Gary O'Neill. I think Gary O'Neill suits him and, and it's showing. And and yeah, I like him a lot, Scott. I think he's got um, all the ability in the world. I think it, I was shocked to see Matias Nunes got a Man City for the price and the way he did because I always thought Neto was was far superior to Nunes. I know they had different positions, obviously, but I always thought someone coming for Neto ahead of, before they came in for Nunes. And and yeah, um, Aston Villa interesting ones here, Scott. They're embarking on maybe enhancing their four positions. Is Leon Bailey the answer there? I'm not so sure. You know, Munchie's going to have his own say on this. And Neto's played there, keeping an eye on Obviously, it wouldn't please the Wolves fans to sell to a Midlands rival, but Villa are just miles ahead of Wolves in that where they are at the moment. Atletico Madrid taking interest, in it. and there's a lot of Premier League interest as well. Or Liverpool have looked in the past; I'd be surprised if they weren't still looking as well. So yeah, keeping out Mo Salah potentially leaving the end. Of the exactly, season. Scott, that right hand side player. So let's keep an eye on Neto. It could be determined, and we do say this in our report that you know it'll depend on what the buying clubs want, what their position is with him. If there's someone desperate for this right-sided player, it could be a January target for some. January, even. Yep. We'll um, keep an eye on that one. Wolves have... Uh, well, they showed with Nunes, the Nunes sale. I think they sold for a a price, which I wouldn't call it fair, but it was slightly less than I thought they would have demanded. But obviously, they, they do have their financial concerns themselves. But yeah, Pedro Neto, if he continues in this vein, the interest is only going to grow in him. I thought they did quite well in Nunes because, you know... It, Although okay in England, I thought he was only okay. I don't think he did anything um, particularly that impressive. You know, he did score um, an, an amazing goal for Wolves. I think it was against Chelsea, wasn't it? Um, but that is <laughs> that's the only thing. Whereas, yeah, I, th- I think with um, with with Neto, yeah, they have a chance to make a good good business on him. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We've got yes, yes. It's clearly the the platform's there for him to perform. He's doing it at the moment. But yeah, if he want, if he does want a January move, then he's got to do it for the coming months. Talking about moves, uh, let's. Well, this United section. Sorry if you don't not you're not. Uh, maybe you're reveling in the in the failure that is Man United at the moment. So maybe you will want to stick with us if you don't support them. Uh, but we we have several things to cover here. Takeover latest. Jaden Sancho is still at the club and not playing. There's interest in a young Brazilian and uh, Ericsson Hogg's position as well. We, we probably need to talk about that, as we do uh, at some point in every manager's tenure since Sir Alex Ferguson left the football club. But let's start at the top. So what's the latest with the takeover? We did a story on this earlier this week, Graham, mm-hmm. about the Glazer family 
obviously we're entering the 11th month of this process now, which was dubbed strategic alternatives. I think it's important to point out that this was never made clear, and I'm not sticking up for the Glazers here. This was never meant to be, or this was never said that it was a, a, a sale. This was always strategic alternatives, whether that be investment or whether that be part part sale or full sale. Um, where are we with it? I mean, you can read the read the piece on the nightmin.com, but for the benefit of those listening, where are we? Yeah, it's a fascinating, you know, they they were put on the market basically um, via Rain Group, who are basically like glorified estate agents when it comes to selling biz, big, big business. They did it with Chelsea, and that's what it's been described as to me, the Rain Group, basically like estate agents. And also someone said to me this week, Scott, and I think it's probably I think it's probably true, that the Glazers using Rain Group for a fishing expedition, casting their net out there to see what interest there was, and if so, how much. And, and, and that's all viable you know lots of companies do it you know but they don't know what the market value is because is it the same as theirs and that's one of the reasons we'll come to scott is the market value the same as the glazers value and obviously we're not sure it is um the two major bidders the two main bidders for the club have been um sheikh jasim from qatar he wants to buy the club outright five million plus take on the debt take it to around six billion um, to, I think that whole club. About yeah. million pounds. Yeah, so it's lock, stock, and barrel to, buys the whole club. So Jim always came at it where he he was of the belief, and he'd been, and, and I, I I can see where I, I've always thought if any bid's going to work, it'll be the Sir Jim Ratcliffe Ineos bid because he knows that Avram and Joe Glazer do not want to let the club go in, in its entirety. There are some of the Glazers who, yeah, want to get rid of their shares because they've got no interest in United. That isn't the same with all the Glazer family. And and that's how it's progressed. But the bids haven't progressed. We've always been of the opinion, Scott, I know me and you have thought that the Glazers weren't going to go. Um, I've been told by American sources a number of times that they see, uh, in a not too distant future, the Glazers believe that United will be worth £10 billion on the market. I don't... Even if they get being... relegated? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but with this brand, I don't see that being too far wide of the mark, Scott. You know, I think when you see, um, we did a piece earlier in the year, didn't we, where we'd been told that with the Washington Commanders being sold for was, was it four, five billion dollars or something like that, roughly five six billion dollars. Yeah, yeah that when the Washington Commanders, who are probably the worst NFL franchise available at the time, if they're worth that, we're t- Manchester United, the biggest name in football in the world. Worth not just more than that. I, I can sort. I'm not defending the Glazers in any way, shape, or form, but I can see where they would be coming from. Thinking, Do you know what? I think my night is worth more than that. Um. So with that being said, I think Sir Jim Ratcliffe has now put put forward a plan to buy a minority stake in the club, Scott. Um. With the view, with the long term view, of then he's got the inside track to taking over long term, and so it looks very sensible from my my point of view, Scott. I think he's doing the sensible thing. You know, I think as well, the fact that he's looking at minority state now tells us that the Glazers are not going to accept these bids. I think, I don't know that. I haven't been told that. It's just my gut feeling. And we've always thought it's Scott. But I think Sir Jim Ratcliffe doing this tells us he's manoeuvring away from that main bid because he knows it's not going to happen. So to get his minority stake, get his foot in the door. So when the Glazers do decide to sell, he gets first option. Imagine there might be something included in the deal that he will have first option on the Glazer shares as well as buying this minority. But whilst it's not great news for everyone who wants Glazers out at United, I still think you can see positives from it. Yeah, I mean, the the noise only got louder 
last night, although in Old Trafford last night after United lost to Galatasaray, it was actually 10,000-ish Galatasaray supporters in various parts of the home end, (laughs) which is just really, really incredible. But I think one thing that we should point out here, and I I did uh, put this out on social media the other day, the Glazers have... Is it fair to say, Graham, they've, they've stood firm by this? The number's been £6 billion for, for a lot of the time, hasn't it? We don't know whether they might even be asking for more than that. But yeah, the fact that the that's is... part of the point, Scott. We don't, we don't literally know what the asking price is. I think the market the market value has put it around the £6 billion figure. It's probably only on a boardroom wall in Florida where the Glazers are that we know the true value. I... I just don't see them selling for six billion. I don't but, think it's enough. But also, the point is that nobody's actually met the six billion yet. We talked about the uh, the offer from Qatar, and Sheikh Jassim is 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 fronting this bid. Yeah, it might be a total of six billion for him to pay, but that is seven hundred yeah. million pounds to a billion pounds of that is wiping away the debt, which doesn't actually go to the Glazers. That is so they they're technically they're asking for let's say they're asking for six billion pounds. They're only receiving five, and that's significant. Like it's not going to move them, yeah, and that's the reason why we've had eleven months. Especially when you have how many? How many of the glazers? Is the six glazers? There's six, uh, six yeah. siblings. Yeah. So, so that, um, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's quite. It's quite a big, big chunk for them not to get from their point of view, as you say, Scott. And <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, and, and I said, we, to be fair, Scott, you, you, we we both said this all along. We we always had that feeling, didn't we, that the glazers no matter what happened here, the Glazers would still be playing some sort of part at United. It's looking increasingly that way for me. No, I know the Qataris for their part, Scott, are still insisting that there's confidence there. They're insisting that the confident a deal could go ahead. But for, so for we'll me, see Graham, how it plays like, out. For, for me, Graham, like they can they can have that confidence. But the fact of the matter is they have not given the Glazers what they want because their bid is five billion plus seven hundred to to another billion, which is clear in the debt. The Glazers are, have put that we again, we don't know if that's confirmed and official, the six billion figure, but somebody has to meet that for them to move. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's yeah, not mis- happened it's, yet. It's, it's it's misplaced confidence from the Qataris. I think you know everyone can be guilty of that. You know, um, I think my Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl, but that's a misplaced confidence, Scott. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, I, I yeah, I agree. I agree totally, Scott. I think it's um. It's just the way it's playing out at the moment. It's just unfortunate, isn't it? The way things are going on off the pitch and on the pitch. It's um, I I didn't think I must admit, Scott, a few months ago, um, you finished the season on a high and it's summer window. I didn't think we'd be here. I didn't think it. Then it's just it's just a perfect storm at the minute. It's not it's not good at Old Trafford. It really no, nothing and, seems uh, to be going right at all. And... No, exactly. It's all <laughs> it's all a negativity in one in one place. It's not. It, it, I was at Old Trafford as you know on Saturday. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't impressive, and and the fans weren't happy. Um, and it was interesting actually. There wasn't. I didn't feel the. I felt a lot of the negativity on Saturday was more directed at Ten Hag than the Glazers. I don't know if United fans would back that personally, but I, there's definitely frustrations which have come out. We'll, we'll talk about Ten Hag in a second. I just wanted to make a, one other point on the ownership mm-hmm. just before we moved on. Uh, obviously, the bid from Qatar is there. And as far as we know, that ain't going up. What Sir Jim is doing is trying to find creative ways in order to get himself, find himself a way in to the structure in order to take it over. And what, what when you're selling, a, when, when you're trying to buy an asset, you need to please the seller. And 
if you've come in under evaluation and you're just saying, no, we're really committed to the club and we want it, but we're not going to meet your asking price. That's not pleasing the seller. And unfortunately, the Glazers are in control here. And Sir Jim's bid, which it was for um, um, a majority stake, also valued at the club more than Sheikh Jassim did. So that as well, they, they put that's. I think everything. If if something does happen, I think I think Sir Jim's the clear favourite for me um, to come in in some in some guys because he values the club um, closer to their value as well. It would seem. Well, we as I said, we do have other issues to talk about. Let's, we'll jump to Ten Hag a minute because uh, there is. We've seen United managers come in, succeed in the short term and eventually tail off. And it feels like that we're in the, the start of that process or maybe in the early stages of that process because the start has already happened. Uh, but, you know, we, we put out a piece uh, last week, Graham, about how United were uh, behind Ten Hag to the point where they were planning, well, they would be planning to have contract talks 18 months in if things were going right. And we, we did report that and obviously stand by that as well. But in order for that support to hold up, he's got to be getting results on the pitch and he is not getting results on the pitch at the moment. So, What's your take on it? He's not. He's not, and and you know, I say I said that was it. Game weekend. It was surprising to hear some of the stats that were coming out. That it's the worst start this century. Worst start since Alex Ferguson, um, even, um, which which shocked me. It didn't doesn't necessarily feel like that when I was when I'm covering United. So it doesn't feel like um, it did. It doesn't feel poisonous like it did under the Oli situation. You know, where it was just getting there all the time. I think this is a major rut, and we'll see how good Ten Hag is to get United out of this. That, that's how good good managers have to be. I think he will get them out of it. I think there is a trust there, and yeah, the, and and the way the at Richard Arnold and the rest of the hierarchy are working from the players is it's, it's business as normal. You know, they have to get on with things, and it's in their di- it's in their diary circles. Contract talks with Eric. It's this is they are due, and I think. They are doing the due diligence now on this, and that, and they have to go forward with it. I don't think it's a bad thing, you know. You have to operate like a proper, normal, professional club, and so it's no surprise that You're these talks are happening. To do that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's a, I think it's a positive thing. I think they're backing him. They have to back him, and they Obviously, are. The question will be how long can that last with results and performances as they are. I mean, like you look at the. I know you didn't what you didn't see the Galatasaray game in full last night, but. Obviously, questions will be asked about Ten Hag for his decision with uh, signing the goalkeeper that they signed. Obviously, I know that's a contentious issue and people very much stand by David De Gea. But the fact of the matter is he was making mistakes similar to what Andana was making last season as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they, the, they, there wasn't a single United. It wasn't when, when Andana signed. You know, there wasn't there wasn't anyone. I don't think there was hardly any United fans who disagreed with that personally. Obviously, they didn't like the treatment of De Gea. But I think the O'Nana signing, um, yeah, in fact, it was hugely positive. And 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 you know, changing that style of play will take a little bit of time. It's not going to be overnight. Um, I, th- I think that's actually what it is. You know, like the United lost to uh, Brentford last season. I think they completely changed their style to focus on keeping clean sheets, and they kept the most clean sheets in the Premier League last mm-hmm. season. What Ten Hag's tried to do in the early parts of the season is play a little bit more akin to what he he wants to do. I think he's realizing probably or people are realizing that he doesn't exactly have well he has the same center back pairing that Ollie had for example he doesn't have the players who are necessarily good at what he's asking them to do they play hot potato with the ball and like you say Graham it's good it's a big test of Ten Hag if he can get Mm. them actually yeah for me he has to make a decision stick with what you've got but also recognize the players who can carry out your instructions best and maybe make some changes to the lineup or revert back to the style you played last season and try and keep clean sheets. And I think that's the that's where they are at the moment. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's um, that I think that's right, Scott. You know, the pressure on these new signings coming in. A lot of Ten Hag signings have, have worked. You know, Casemiro, Martinez have worked very well. Um, I st- I, I, as you know, Scott, I still I still think one of the biggest issues is is the, is the captain. You know, he's made him captain. He's he just I, I don't get Bruno Fernandez. He just for me, he looks a different player when he's a United shirt than just a Portuguese one. He, he, if he wants to be to be Manchester United captain, I think he needs to be a special player, and I just don't think he is. And I think he's he needs to carry this team at times, and he's not capable of doing it. I think that's a big worry for me um, with United and and the whole the whole system, the whole team. Can you build it around Fernandez? And and that's not and Dejan is going to have to solve this situation, Scott. It's up to him to do it. It wasn't his signing, but he's made him captain. He clearly trusts him. He needs to kind of get the best out of Fernandez, and I think that's a huge problem at the minute for me. I just I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't think playing him on the right is the answer. No, indeed. Uh, we, we've got to move on anyway to, from United, but we do have two other quick bits. Uh, well, not quick bits necessarily, but maybe we'll do. Uh, we'll cover Loran first, who is a, mm-hmm. a a player of interest to United that we reported last week as well. Just to give us a brief overview on uh, the type of player that he is and what why United are interested. Attacking midfielder. Um, he... As always, you get a bit sceptical with some of these young South Americans, Scott, when you first someone first um, brought... When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To my attention, told me about it. Oh, yeah. Best, one of the best young players in South America. Of course he is, aren't they all? That's, and you know, it's the, but I did message a few people and a couple of friends who were based in Brazil, contacts. Um, I spoke to a couple of very high up directors in England as well who actually came back and said, Yeah, Jorga, he this lad is the real deal. He is up there with Endrick. He is very, very special. Yeah, exactly, Scott. Yeah, they got my attention as well because I was I was expecting that message back to come across going, yeah, he's good, probably not ready, blah, blah, blah. But no, they said he is special. So it's really interesting to see United are in for him. All the big English clubs are in for him. Um, Brighton as well. Brighton were in, in on him arguably first, but I think it might be surpassing them now in terms of what he's going to go for. United like him a lot. They're making inquiries, but hey, I'm told all the big English clubs, Real Madrid and Barca are in for him, Bayern as well. He's an attacking midfielder. Um, Flamengo are a very interesting club, Scott, because, you know, we always think, oh, clubs can bully. Flamengo are one of the few South American teams who can't be bullied. They're a very rich club. They've got one of the biggest fan bases in world football. People still don't appreciate how big a club Flamengo are. They are huge across global globally. They really are. And 
yeah, but he is going to go. Um, he can't move till next summer when he turns 18 this coming summer. So, but I think he is heading for Europe. So keep an eye on Loran. Um, it's a name we don't know about now, but we really, really will know a lot about him going forward. Um, him and Hendrik causing all sorts of excitement. Um, and United are really in for him, um, banging for him. They've got a chance. But I say they need to be careful because I say these performances, you know, players don't necessarily come and play European football. But if, if, if United started to drop out of European football, it can hurt deals like this. It really can. So we'll see who comes in. But yeah, United like him a lot and um, their scouts do, but so do a lot of their rivals. Uh, just one final note, Jaden Sancho obviously hasn't played for United for a long time now. And uh, there was been suggestions from other sources over the past few days that uh, Borussia Dortmund are going for him. This is something we've reported a number of times, Graham. And you'd be able to catch something on the Night Min site just as an update to the process on, on what's happening uh, from us as well. But just for the benefit of the listener, it doesn't look like any sign of resolution on either side. This is pointing to potential January exit as well. And obviously, Graham, we, we, we've we reported time and again that Dortmund have liked Jaden Sancho even yeah. after selling him, and that remains the case. Oh, 100%. No, there was some reports a few weeks ago from Germany, wasn't it, that, that Dortmund weren't interested. That wasn't our information at the time, Scott, was it? We all, we were always being told from Dortmund, of course they like him. Um, he's a player they literally they love him. And if there's opportunity for Dortmund to take him back, they will. We are told from sources that there are other clubs in Germany, particularly. And I think a return to Germany would seem a sensible option for Sancho's point. You know, when he comes on the market, there will be interest from all over Europe, Spain, Italy, France. He's, he's not going to have his pick of clubs, but, you know, he will have, he will have his pick of countries to go to where he, where he fancies going. And I think if he's been sensibly advised, a move back to Germany would seem the logical step, wouldn't it, Scott, for him to go back there? And which club, where did he where did he get the best out of him? It was at Dortmund. And it'd be a surprise. I, I think I think what we can say, I'd be amazed if he didn't head back to Germany overall. Whether it's Dortmund, I would make Dortmund favourites if they really want him at this point in time. It'll be t- depend on what type of deal that Manchester United are willing to do, you know, in terms of wages and fees. But you would think if if nothing changes in terms of an apology, etc., I mean, not training, you would think that, you know, um, Ten Hag would want him out the door. Don't be surprised, I mean, so don't be surprised if a deal is agreed in December for him, then he can go and train at his new club even before Christmas. In before it gets to New Year, there's no need for him to be kicking his heels in Manchester with the Rezies, um for too much longer. A deal could be agreed before then. It's you know it's, it's been long enough now. You'd think there's no resolution coming here, and just seems like this is the way that it's going to mm. go. There's been an, enough time has passed. It's not like if I don't, it, I don't you, expect Jaden Sancho if, to wake up tomorrow and go, yeah. oh, oh no, I, I mean, if he was going to, do, yeah, if he was going to apologize, Scott, I think it, you know he's. He's had teammates. We know Marcus Rashford's spoken to him. Steve McLaren spoke to him. A lot of the hierarchy spoke to him. A lot of the backroom staff. And there's two names. If he was going to apologise, I think it would have come by now, personally. Let's move on to Liverpool, who are doing well. And obviously, the, the story around Liverpool at the moment is uh, VAR and the offside debacle in the, in the defeat at Tottenham where they finished with nine men, two red cards, obviously, in that game as well. Any, any, I haven't actually spoke to you on this, Graham. Any any comment on on that whole situation? Um, I did actually... Were you bored of it? 
I, I put a tweet out about actually, which did um, which which caught a lot of people's attention actually. Oh, automated um, offsides, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think the well, in my opinion, yeah, it was a terrible error. It really was. But that's not the first we've seen this season. It's not the last. I don't think that Liverpool offside error was any worse than the Luton Wolves game, where Wolves got given a penalty against him, where literally. The ruling, we all know the rule where if it deflects off someone's foot into an arm, we know that's not a penalty. And and everyone say, Oh, Liverpool top of the table, it means more. No, VR this season in the first few games, Wolves have lost four points. Four points have lost in the first was it half a dozen games? It's ridiculous. Any any anywhere in the Premier League and Premier League, you know, imagine if Wolves got relegated for those two decisions, Scott. That's that's huge. Yeah, Liverpool might end up not winning the title, and that's just as bad. But yeah, I, I do think this automated um, refereeing system and I did do the tweet and there's a, a brilliant article on 90 Min actually explaining why the semi-automated system is not currently in place in the Premier League. A lot of people will be surprised. I think, and I was as well when I read it, Scott, that didn't realise that the Premier League clubs are the ones who turned it down. But I think in the end, that system, I think um, when that first goal, when Enna Valencia's first goal got disallowed in that first game of the, well, that was the first game, wasn't it? The World yeah, Cup the Qatar record. Um, People weren't happy about it, but then actually people thought, well, you know what? It was offside. We didn't like it. We didn't like it, but he was offside. That semi-automated system needs to be brought in. It's it's a bit like um, the Hawkeye in tennis. It, you just can't. It's irrefutable. You can't argue against it. Bring the semi-automated thing in. Yeah, and then we can debate more about the penalties. We, we, will, we will, but it, it's like the ball over the line, isn't it, Scott? That semi-automated. I think it's more like that, where yeah, it's it's automated, semi-automated, and it's it's so quick as well. You don't need we don't need to be sat there waiting for. We we can maybe do what they do in rugby league and and the tennis, where you get the countdown, and everyone starts clapping. Is it offside or onside? I think that might help the eye, being a bit more fun to it, um, a bit more on on the line in football. You could argue, but I I think that semi-automated thing will will make sure that that Liverpool thing doesn't happen again. Wouldn't surprise me if we see it in. In, in for next season, definitely a bit hard to do it yeah, mid season, I would assume. Um, <laughs> but you know, but you never know. But yeah, I think a semi automated thing comes in, and we and that's what at least one of the things we don't have to argue about. But yeah, it's stuff like, but I, I think as I think that Wolves Luton one is more worrying, Scott. We know the Liverpool one was wrong, they messed up, they knew about that straight away. It's the fact that they thought that Wolves decision was right, even though like within seconds we all knew it was wrong, but they stood by that as well. That's the worrying one, like that, Scott, where. They know the rules, and it lit- that's literally the case in points, and they still get it wrong. So I think that Wolves one was more worrying for me. Uh, the, the the offsides and the um, goal line technology, which has, has had that one major flo- one major incident with Hawkeye, uh, but I've actually been uh, last few years, or uh, it was a good few years ago now when they were getting installed. I, I kind of saw how the process worked, and it, it's literally down to it's it's kind of maths basically, you know, and. Yeah. It's it's you can actually it's, it's black and white you you can uh, distinguish between whereas some, maybe some calls are subjective and you need to tweak the rules but uh, talking about Liverpool anyway got to move on because um, that has been done to death. Um, Beraldo, tell me about him. Yeah, Lucas Beraldo, um, very good. Another young Brazilian we're talking about. He's from Sao Paulo, the Brazil Cup champions, and he's one who's come on on onto Liverpool's radar. Outstanding young player, um, under twenty international. Um, left-sided as well. Interesting because we do think that Liverpool are in the market for a potential one in January. Scott, a defender, and it you know, obviously not 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 related to Joel Matip's own goal, but you know he's probably in his last 
few months as a Liverpool player with his contract up in the summer as well. So it was probably a surprise that Liverpool didn't do one in the summer. We know they had an interest in Mickey van der Veen. And someone said this Braldo's, Lucas Braldo is similar to him. He's a young player. Um, left, I said left-sider, talented. Um, one of Wolves looked at in the summer, actually. But yeah, he's one who Liverpool have taken a, um, a keen eye on in recent weeks, Scott. So yeah, keep an eye on that name. Um, it's one who is on Liverpool's radar going forward. Place for Sao Paulo. What of Thiago? Interesting, yes, yeah, Scott. Like, like Joe Matip out of contract in the summer. Um, as, as I've said on the show before, what a huge, what a huge flop Thiago has been in England. Absolute, one, one of the biggest flop. I think Liverpool get away with this actually. A massive flop. One of their highest paid players since he arrived, and he just hasn't delivered, has he? He arrived as basically one of the best midfielders in the world, didn't he? I know injuries have have caught up with him, but you know if United get stagged off for signing Pogba, then Liverpool should get it for signing Thiago as well. I think Thiago's done slightly better, but not much more. Um, yeah, Jurgen Klopp, as he does with a lot of his players, he, want, he wants him to stay, etc. But the Liverpool hierarchy, our understanding, and they're not convinced about him getting a big new contract. Scott, he's on a lot of money there at Liverpool. I don't think he warrants it. Um, yeah, I think he's got Saudi Pro League in January written all over him, Scott. To be honest, <laughs> I think Liverpool's hierarchy will be as we Licking speak. Their lips at the prospect. Yeah. Yes, I think they'll be shocked and saying, "Jurgen, here's some more money to invest elsewhere, but we're getting this." £250,000 a week player to Saudi as quickly as possible. Yes. Uh, well, you know, you went you went strong on Thiago there. Maybe that would be refuted uh, by, by some because the price wasn't huge in terms of the outlay. But, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. Um, but for much of his stay, he's been paid more than more Salah. For mu- yeah. Not now, but for much of his stay, he was on more than more Salah. There you go. Make your own mind up if you're listening. Uh, what of... Uh, Arsenal lost in the Champions League on, on Tuesday night as well. Emil Smith-Rowe has been on the fringes for a while. I think he had another injury, didn't he? And he's been on the fringes, lost his place, really. Opportunity for him to move to Aston Villa at one point. Mm. And obviously that didn't happen. He stayed at Arsenal and it's not worked for him, despite Arsenal's ascent through the through the league last season. He's considering his future, though. And he, uh, Graham, is it fair to say here that he's just going to see how much football he's getting Obviously, there's an injury now to Bukayo Saka as well. We don't know how long that keep him out. But if he's not getting chances, is he going to look to leave? Yeah, he is. You know, that's not fair. He's, he's an England national. Um, he's involved in Southgate. And he looks a million miles away from making the Euro squad, doesn't he, Scott? I don't see him really doing that at the moment. He's one of those players who, does Arteta trust him? I think I think he's asking himself that same question. I don't think he does, Scott. You know, Kai Havertz has come in. Um Eddie Nketiah plays when Hayes just doesn't play or vice versa. Um, I don't see... I think there's been chances for smith or to play, especially in that behind-the-striker role um, or, or either flank. You know, Trossard's playing, Vieira's playing. He's so, I still think he's somewhere down the pecking order and he's a wonderfully talented player. And I think he knows, you know, if he's on the market, there's going to be a lot of teams looking at this lad. We know Aston Villa love him. They came close to signing him before. They still want him. Our information is, you know... Um, likes of Newcastle would take him, Brighton would take him. You know, would he be in, obviously he can't go to Tottenham, they wouldn't sell, wouldn't sell him there. But uh, you know, someone like a Newcastle as well, someone who needs that number 10. I still think Newcastle need that number 10. I think he'd fit in beautifully there. Yeah, I think, um, it's our information is he's going to give it till January, see where we are. But wouldn't be surprised if you know, 
would they loan him out? So, so that's a possibility as well. Scott loan him out for the rest of the season. But then again, would would Arsenal loan him to a rival? Um, if if Arsenal if it's a top two title race again, as it may be, it may transpire to be a top two again battling for the title. They may loan him out elsewhere. It's a possibility. Keep an eye on Smith Rowe, yeah. But um, if he's not in the team by January or playing more regularly, I he will be looking to move. I'm I'm finding a tenuous link, so I'm going to change the order a bit here. One other Arsenal player who's not in the team, but that's because of injury, is uh, Urian Timber. But his brother is attracting interest. What a a segue that is. His brother, Quentin Timber. Tell us about him, Graham. Uh, What's the background here? Uh, I think there was a... I think think one of them did an interview. It might might have been Urian, actually. Where I think they shared bunk beds even into their te- late teens slash twenty. I- I'm not sure. Maybe I'm forgetting. I'm remembering this wrong. But I think they're very close. As I think, I think if you read it, it was probably to do with Urian and during whilst he was United Link. So you'd have read that interview, Scott. So possibly, that, I think that might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're doing that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what what of what of his brother and what's the latest with him? Yeah, so Quentin started at Ajax as a youngster with Julian, took the move to Utrecht, and then was signed by bitter rivals Feyenoord in 2022, and he's excelled since moving to Rotterdam. He's now playing the holding role for Arnie Slot's team, and he's doing wonderfully well. And and the teams are, there's a lot of teams who um, are watching Feyenoord closely. Arnie Slot, to be fair to him, looks like the real deal, Scott. Um, I must admit, I was a bit disparaging him when he was being linked to Leeds and stuff. But this final team, I, I do like to watch him. I watched a bit. I've watched quite a lot of them this season. I thought I've been taking a keen interest in Feyenoord. Um, Santiago Jimenez, who looks sensational, Scott. By the way, he looks so good. I'm not saying you bought the wrong one, but hmm, he looks amazing to me. Um, I I like Quentin Timber in this role, and and. And the teams who have been watching Feyenoord, of which there's quite a few on a regular basis, why wouldn't you be watching the best team in Holland? I know they're not top at the minute, but they are the best team in Holland. And yeah, so the likes of Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, whilst watching probably other players, and we know Arsenal and Tottenham have been watching Jimenez um, of late, they've all been very impressed by this young lad. Um, obviously very similar in stature to his twin brother, obviously. Um, but he plays slightly different. He plays more field, more midfielder. Um, and yeah, so let's keep an eye on him. Atletico, Dortmund, Monaco, Napoli also looking at him as well. You know, these defensive midfielders um, who can get forward. Some There's a lot of them doing the rounds, but they're very popular. As we know, Scott, they're very popular at the moment with these clubs in that role. Yeah. Could we see Timber's brother in England? I wouldn't rule it out. Read more on nightmen.com. Uh, for more information and I will try for the next show to to dig up that interview uh, <laughs> about their um, you know they're, they're, they're close knit as a pair uh, I think anyway but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk brothers, about yeah. Holland do have this thing for twin brothers obviously we haven't seen a good twin brother since the De Beers I'm probably missing someone we're missing anyone else out good twin brothers since then nothing jumping to me if, if you're listening to this and you want to get in touch with a a twin pairing who could potentially go on to the, the I, I actually do, I actually dominate in that market, aren't they? If it's twin brothers who become good players, they are dominating that market. <laughs> yeah. Follow us or get in touch with us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders and at Graham Bailey. Uh, two other stories, both slightly Napoli linked or one is definitely Napoli, but uh, Brighton and Hove Albion 
they lost 6-1 to Aston Villa at the weekend. And uh, But obviously it is Brighton. So, um, you know, the, the fallout from that isn't going to be... It's more pro-Villa, really, and how, how well Villa did rather than... Uh, we, all, we all know the benefits De Zerbi has brought to Brighton. All the uh, improvements that he's made since he took over Graham Potter's job when he moved to Chelsea. Seems like a long time ago now. Um, but De Zerbi inevitably is attracting interest from a few clubs. And I believe Napoli are a part of that, Graham. Yeah, you know, um, he's it emerged that he's one who Real Madrid are keeping an eye on. Do you know, Real Madrid are planning for the future. Callan Chelsea does seem likely he's in his last year in charge. And Ra- Raul and Xabi Alonso are the favourites for that role. I'd be, be amazed if it wasn't one of those two. But they are doing their due diligence, looking around Europe as to who's impressing, you know, the Annie slots as well. So, but the Zerbi is there as well. He's doing a wonderful job. And so Madrid are keeping an eye on this. Napoli as well, he's, he's a former Napoli player. And Garcia is not having a good time at Napoli. They're doing okay, but they don't look anything like they did before. Do they? This it's really not working. And obviously there's the Osman fallout, which we'll touch on as well. But yeah, Deserbi's on their list as well. Brighton are not worried though. We're being told Brighton are calm. Um, they have him under contract till 2026, and there's a decent release clause in there as well. So yeah, Brighton are aware that of the situation, but it's it's more of a compliment to Brighton. You know the job he's doing there he's going to attract interest and that's just the way they see it. Yeah. We'll see what, what, how that develops. I mean, <clears throat> I think there might be a release clause into Zerbi's contract as well. Yeah, there is. It's around right. 10, it's around 10 million pounds, Scott, which for some reason though, still, it's not, it's a club, the clubs. And we saw this, I think when Ten Hag came in, didn't it? The clubs are really reluctant to pay for, we made this point at the time. You pay a hell of a lot of money for a player, but you won't do it for a manager is the most important. Comp. Yeah. And we're seeing like United spending, yeah, you go and spend like nearly two hundred million on on Mount Onan and Hoyland, but then when it comes to paying a few million to get coaches or manager, you won't do it. It's, but United aren't alone. All my all clubs seem to be like this. Weird one, but we we have touched on awesome in there. Last story of the show. So, I'm sure everybody has seen the fallout from last week, and you know, obviously, awful situation. Uh, but Victor Osman. Obviously, it made him unhappy uh, for obvious reasons. And we we reported throughout the summer, Graham, of interest from a number of clubs in Victor Osman, but Napoli essentially priced every club out of the market for him because he had such a good season. We were talking about 150 million euros, weren't we? And we were, I think we were pretty solid on saying, you got to meet that price if you want to buy him. But as this, is it fair to say that this, the, the start of the season they've had, this entire situation with Osman, the potential willingness of the player to leave and join a Premier League club might make a deal more manageable for either a January or, or summer 2024 move for him. Yeah, it, it's it's not helping, Scott. And, and the, the big issue is Osman's contract. You know, he's he was due to sign a new deal. It was nearly done in the summer, um, which is one reason why he wasn't particularly linked with a transfer because all the clubs accepted that he was going to be signing um, with a release clause in there as well, which was going to be pretty substantial. But again, he's someone who's out of contract in 2025. So we do need to be getting this done now. But all in, and, and Aurelio De Laurentiis, he's confident. He keeps saying the later situation won't impact on, on the contract talks. But the deal isn't signed yet. We're in October now. They started this well, in, well early in the summer. There's issues there. No matter what, Napoli say, you know, he it will it have left some scars on Osman? It will have. It was a horrendous 
um, response by Napoli's social media department. Napoli didn't actually apologise, did they, as part of this? They explained it, but didn't issue an apology, which may have come from their solicitors to say, don't, please don't apologise because you leave us open to something. Um, it's a fascinating situation. I think this is the beginning of the end for Osman at Napoli. Will that be this summer? I think it might be. I really do. Um, there's, we know we reported um, about the 2025's interesting date because we reported earlier on this summer, Scott, about Haaland being on Batas' radar for 2025. When we when they presume that Lewandowski might be coming into the last hurrahs of his career in Catalonia. Wouldn't surprise me to see Barcelona get involved in the Osimhen mix at some point. But if he does want out next summer, there will be there, there will and are suitors in England. Um, Chelsea still haven't got their number nine sorted out yet. They, sh- they should have just signed Osimhen last summer for me. I always said that they should have. But this will make life easier for the for the people pursuing Osimhen. If he doesn't sign, they'll be desperate to get him signed to his new contract. If he doesn't sign his new contract before the end of the end of the season, or if it comes out that he's rejected the contract, we've got a lot, a lot, a lot to happen with Osman. I, I, I'll be surprised if he signs a new contract at the moment, Scott. If he does, it'll be with a, a reduced release clause. Even for me, I look at Arsenal and I think if they're missing one thing that can actually kick them on to win 100%. a title, you look at a player like that and you think that's an oh. upgrade in that position. And, and you know, and, and the Arsenal situation is fascinating, isn't it, Scott? We know they wanted Vlavic before and. You know, they've, they've, they've settled on Eddie and Ketia. And we said this on the show before, you know, Eddie and Ketia is, um, if he's the answer, I don't know what the question is, to be honest. But um, I think Arsenal are missing them goals. They really are. Um, and and is, is there even Tony the answer in January? Possibly, you know, because as I've argued, as I said that with Toby on the last one, on the last show, those eight to ten goals can be key. They really can be key. And as you say, um, Wow, imagine imagine Osman at Arsenal would be pretty sensational, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, there won't be a shortage of takers. But yeah, let's keep an eye on this one. In the coming weeks, De Laurentiis are going to be pushing hard for him to sign this new deal. If it isn't signed by January, Scott, I say it'll tell us a lot. Keep an eye on this podcast as well. We'll be we're wrapping up here, but we'll be back next week for more for talking transfers. Because even though we're not in a window, there is still stuff happening in the background, and we'll do our best to tell you. What is going on? Follow us on uh, social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey and at 90 min underscore football as well. Hopefully we'll have a, a wider crew next week. Toby and uh, Toby and Sean not on the show today, but just just me and Graham. But 90min.com for all the latest stories uh, just in general and 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news as well as this podcast, which brings it to you in audio format. Graham, thank you very much for another talking transfers. And from me, Scott and from Graham. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon for another episode of Talking Transfers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.